Welcome to another episode of Unleashing the Future of Work with your boy, Tim Salau. And today, I'm really incredibly excited. I'm going live and doing this podcast from the lovely, sunny Los Angeles, California. Shout out to Los Angeles. And no matter where you're at, I hope you are well. I know currently there has been this huge epidemic called coronavirus everywhere. And I hope everyone is at home, healthy, secure, and making sure they're mindful of their wellness. But today, I want to tell you all, I have an incredibly special guest that I'm going to be speaking to. And it's funny because I met this this awesome gentleman, Jonathan Graham, uh, actually in Oakland, while I was working with this amazing, amazing, amazing company. And you know, Jonathan is this really, really, really passionate guy who's building one of the top Top, top, top podcast. I believe that you should be looking out for called I Wish I Knew. And today he actually comes from being a product management teacher at product school to a former product manager at Netflix. And right now, as I mentioned, he's building this amazing podcast called I Wish I Knew. And today we're going to be talking about taking proactive action, becoming more self-aware, and most importantly, how to future-proof yourself in the future of work. So, you know, without further ado, I want to have y'all show love for Jonathan. And more importantly, comment where you're viewing and tuning in from in the comments as well so we can show love to you. So with that said. Wow. Thank you. Thank you, Tim. That's a hell of an intro. I appreciate that. <laughs> I'm a big fan of uh, of your work and everything that you're doing, you, you way you approach everything. That's actually the how we actually met is I found you on LinkedIn. I was following yeah. you for a while and saw that and then saw you move to the Bay Area. So I had to meet yeah. up with her. Yeah, yeah. LinkedIn yeah. while I'm out here in, in, in Oakland. And it, it was truly honor when we first met too, because I, I you know, you told me about this vision and what you were building. Um, and I wish I knew. And I thought, man, this is genius. Like we have to highlight this, we have to talk about this. But I would love for you to kind of like start with your story, man. Give me a little mm -hmm. bit more, you know, tell the audience, tell our community a little bit more about your background. But before we get into that, let's show them some love. Marnie is tuning in from Alberta. Dorego is tuning in from Park Harcourt, Nigeria. Buddhist, Baddest wow. is tuning in from Qatar. So we have people all over the world viewing right now, man. Wow. So, you know, you have a global audience. But, you know, real quick, tell us your story, man. How did you get into tech doing the work that you do as a product manager? Yeah, so I currently work in, in Silicon Valley right now um, as a product manager on Apple. Uh, on Siri, um, and uh, my, my path here, I definitely did not predict that. I grew up, you know, I'm, I live in Silicon Valley now, but I grew up geographically very close to Silicon Valley, but economically a world apart. So I grew up about an hour and a half east in a place called Stockton, California. Um, very humble place. It was the largest city in California, go, um, largest city in California to go bankrupt, largest city in America until Detroit took that title. So it's very agricultural town, um, not much going on there in that way. Uh, I would say I got into tech, deliberately but accidentally so i graduated high school in 2002 there was no um instagram no twitter so the iphone didn't come out i think like 2007 right so when you're thinking about tech it's not what everybody knows now and is a part of everyone's daily life with the internet and yeah. you know, these, these things um september 11 2001 was uh, a big day i think most people that were here in america remember that day yeah. um that was the you know the, the attack on the twin towers so a lot of the um everything was, was really around defense uh, around mm -hmm. that. But I had always been into numbers and as a kid tearing up Legos and, and radios, none of the flashlights worked in the house. So I was always curious and, and like, you know, the analytical mindset. 
but I didn't really know anything about different careers mm. uh, beyond that, right? There's not a lot of major employers or, or any of these, these companies that uh, exist now uh, mm. in Stockton, right? My parents are very good people, definitely taught me to, to work hard and, and be a good person, good moral fiber, but nothing in the form of like exposure to careers. So it happened to be because a guy at our church, uh, you know, I think I was about 15 at the time, he had had a, maybe he's 22, 23 years old, he pulled up in a uh, white forerunner, Toyota forerunner, limited edition, you know, gold trim with the, the leather seats. And I was like, <laughs> How do you get this car? That's wild. <laughs> he told me he had bought it with his signing bonus and he had, he had uh, you know, he had, he had graduated, he was a bunch of engineer and he's working at Intel. So mm. that's what at my, my age I did. I was like, do you have to go to grad school for that? Do you have to do that? He's like, no. Uh, so he said, you just got to work in tech. I was like, cool, I'll just go do that. So <laughs> that's how, literally at that age, I honestly didn't think I was smart to be a doctor or a lawyer. I never really liked school that much, so I didn't want to, didn't think that. So I was like, well, I'll just do this. So that's literally the how I just stuck with it. Went to study electrical and computer engineering in college. As I was saying, you know, it wasn't this sexy field that it is now. Definitely people weren't getting paid what it is, and these billion-dollar companies didn't exist like that. But I think the a point of this is thinking about nonlinear thinking. If I could have been yeah. 15 and saw what potentially 10 years in the future was, right? Um, yeah. To think about opportunity, and so think about where we are today. When you think about the future of work, it's also very much tied to the future of economy, the future mm-hmm. of technology. Right? Technology is this powerful thing that we. It, it's how we even define periods in history. Right? We call it the yeah. Stone Age because that's what people are using versus the Information Age. Yeah. Technology is one thing that impacts everybody's life, and now more than ever, whether it's healthcare, whether it's entertainment. Right? You're seeing technology software is eating the world and just sipping in every part. So I found myself both. Uh, accidentally, but deliberately, you know, going into tech and, uh, you know, uh, yeah. And now here you are, right? Here I, so, yeah, here I am. So tell us a little bit more about not linear thinking, right? Mm-hmm. You know, what do you mean by that, right? You know, if it, there's not linear thinking and then there's linear thinking and then there's exponential thinking, right? Exactly. So what do you, what do you, what do you mean by not linear thinking? Exactly. I think that the, one of the best things you can do is always try to stretch your brain. And we think very easily in a linear fashion mm. uh, that the rate of change will continue at a, a, a continuous straight line. So for every step of X, yeah. see Y, I don't know, increase proportionately. Whereas nonlinear thinking or exponential thinking allows you to see that there's a different path of growth. Mm. That you can't just say, based on yesterday's assumptions, we're gonna continue to see growth the same way, right? Mm. Uh, that there are things that are gonna happen at unit step changes or exponential changes that end up uh, having huge breakthroughs. And so that's what we've seen with the advancement of many technologies. Some things do happen linearly, but um, you know, the point in which social change, social change would be a perfect example of this, where it'd be nonlinear, where not much happens. And then there's a law that's passed that you know totally changes, whether if you're in South Africa with apartheid or uh, civil rights here in the United States, right, where, where a huge breakthrough changed. Mm. So being able to think about the impossible requires you to understand that the change will happen in nonlinear ways, right? Mm. There will be, there'll be um, huge uh, breakthroughs at, at different points. So, now, do you, do you think that, you know, often people struggle to think this way because, you know, it's human nature to really be conditioned in uh, in the way things are? Right. Yep. You know, it's hard for us to change or say, like, things are going to change constantly. So in, in your perspective, you know, what are some of the things that we can do as people to be more receptive to thinking from an exponential exponential standpoint? 
Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. I think that school, the way that we're taught, mm. the learning, mm. formal education, how yeah. it's learned is in a linear fashion. The way that we certify people's knowledge of information yeah. is based on here's here's a college, typical college you have, you're four different years and you're supposed to have two semesters each, right? It's not based on the idea that you can learn that skill or proficiency in that subject mm. in maybe 18 months, right? Um, everything's worked on this time-based things versus competency-based. Um, and Jeff Bezos is, is probably one of the best, if not, I would say go watch the videos from him when Amazon originally mm. was called relentless.com. If you go to that website, it'll still point to Amazon. Um, he talks a lot about it. And, and it's so funny to look at this stuff now and be like, this is obvious, you know, it's mm. such a layup. but people at the time were comparing Amazon to Borders and Barnes and Noble. It's just like, oh, you're just a book retailer. There's no, nothing different than you. You're just you know having this internet medium. But he had the mm -hmm. visionary thinking about doing that. And he's probably one of the best visionary thinkers, future thinkers that, I, that I've uh, come across. And it's not easy. Our brains did not evolve to think that way. We, uh, you know, There's a lot of different biases that we have as humans and how we evolve evolutionary psychology stuff mm -hmm. that impacts how we process information, how we discount the future for today. Um, so many of those things. So I think that's definitely a skill that probably as, as big as anyone's top five list. If you're going to be, you know, you know, adapt mm -hmm. quickly, learn how to unlearn, be self-aware, know yourself. Um, definitely, I would say thinking about the future so that if mm -hmm. you know where the puck is going, that's where you can you can help skate there and position yourself well. And so with, the skate so is better now than ever. So with you kind of early on when you were in college and you mm -hmm. saw all of the kind of the, the amazing things that were happening around with technology and you saw kind of just how, how not only successful, but how impactful one can become. Did you kind of get those signals as an opportunity to really dive deep in the field and in the tech space due to that? So it's funny you say this because I didn't know that at all. <laughs> it, was just, it, was just, it was just fear based, right? Like, yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't want to be. I felt like I had more potential than uh, you know than I was being used, and I knew I wanted to do something in my life. I didn't want to be in that same hometown that I grew up in, per se. Hmm. And uh, that's where I said, "Cool, I'll just you know do this engineering thing. It seems like it'll work." But then once I actually hmm. got there, keep in mind. So in two thousand one, that's when nine eleven occurred. Most of the jobs that the seniors were getting when they're graduating were all with Boeing, Lockheed Martin, hmm. defense contractors, because all this money went into Patriot Act, and everything looked like tech wouldn't even like software tech wouldn't even be where it is today in the U.S. It, most of these big companies were doing a lot of offshoring, outsourcing. It's like, why would you pay somebody? And that's kind of happening now too, right? It is in many yeah. places, but you still see a lot of huge job growth, right? Mm -hmm. uh, here in the Bay Area, for sure. You know, Seattle, San Francisco, uh, Austin, they're still paying software engineers and data scientists here as opposed to doing it, uh, you know, overseas. Mm. For many of those core companies that, that move very quickly, right? So I would say that once I saw, okay, software's eating the world. Mark Andreessen mm -hmm. has an excellent, um, I think it was in the New York Times or some, some blog post or whatever, but it's called Software's Eating the Road, Eating the World. That's excellent. actually opened my eyes. So, like, okay, now, like, this is a real thing, and this is going to change every part of our lives. Yeah. And, and you but, know, and, and that's you, and you were reading kind of like the market, right? And you were understanding, mm -hmm. like, look, the, with the exponential growth rate of technology and these products that are coming to market changing behavior, that's, like, exponential thinking. That's not thinking just in the now, but thinking about how right. can I – you know, join this industry and be a part of this kind of movement and change and build, right? And it, it's led you to working with some really amazing companies. And I think that's just fascinating too, because I think often people think that exponential change is something that 
um, just comes naturally or exponential thinking is something that comes naturally, but yeah. you just have to kind of be able to read the signals, read the trends. Yeah. And, and I would say, uh, follow the people that are naturally good at this, or at least have yeah. a skill around this. So a guy like Ray Kurzweil, mm. even if his predictions are not necessarily correct on the actual point and time that he's predicting, it still gets you the ability to think about mm. how he's getting there. Uh, Peter Diamandis and, and, um, and uh, Ray Kurzweil, I think they have the Singularity University. They talk about all these exponential technologies and yeah. um, you know the, the future of abundance. Like definitely, that stuff is even if it's not correct down to the, each each different letter. The, the general trend and the future of work is all going to be impacted by those things. Incredibly true. And for those of you who are listening and watching from Lagos, Menlo, Atlanta, Curcia, Lorena, Praise, Devante, what's up? You know, if you are just tuning in, please realize we're talking about the value of thinking exponentially and not getting stuck in non-linear thinking. And with that said, tell us a little bit about in the comments, how do you think exponentially, right? What do you do to embrace change and not just be in the now, but thinking about the future and how you can future-proof yourself? Please comment below any questions you have for Jonathan or any comments you have on exponential thinking. In addition to that, Jonathan, you know, one of the things I thought was really amazing to you when we met uh, we were what, what were we doing? We were eating like at Oakland Grill, which is one of my favorite yeah. spots. Yeah, yeah, brunch spots in Oakland. And you were really talking to me about this huge passion project that you're currently building, mm -hmm. and it's called "I Wish I Knew" the yep. podcast, right? Yeah. And tell us a little bit more about that. What spurred that? What motivated that? And where are you hoping to take it, man? Yeah, you know, I'm 35, 36 years old now, right? And <laughs> you I, look I, 20. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> um, I, I will say that I've I've been very lucky and blessed in some of the people that I've met, the opportunities I've had, and you know some of the the, the folks I've worked with, companies, etc. Um, and I realized that I want to do more to help others. Uh, mm -hmm. That there's a lot of information that I had that I'm 50, that I wish I had 15, 20 years ago. Yeah. Right. And I didn't have those people in my life. I think it was because of uh, you know understanding that one, you know, we live in a finance-driven economy where most people trade money for time. And in this capitalist area, no one's actually given a rule book on how to play the game. Or definitely, if you think about it, kind of like a menu, all the different options that are there. And your career makes up a bulk of your, your, your waking hours. It's true. And it's if you true. don't actually know about something, how can you actually pursue the right one? Um, or if you choose the wrong one, it can be very weighing on your own personality and your experience and, and affects you in other parts of life. So I see that trying to help people find out as much about themselves and a much about how the economy works and a bunch about uh, you know, what opportunities it may be best for them to take advantage of would be like something that I can do that brings me a deeper level of fulfillment that you can't get uh, without doing something that you know that's touching someone else's life. So I do mentoring one-on-one. -on -one. I know that I've helped a couple of folks and I, I know the feeling that I get is irreplaceable. It's, it's, it's invaluable, but yeah. that doesn't scale, right? So I thought, man, if there's other people that are willing to do the work, they're hungry, but they, they, they just don't have the guidance. They just don't know. And now the stakes are bigger more than ever. The way that change mm. changed so fast, you don't have pensions, you can't rely on, um, uh, you know, employers the way that you did before, and so now people have to take a greater ownership of their their careers and their skill set and understanding mm. those things. So that just comes from a place of me wanting to be put out the same energy that I want to put into the world, and uh, I realize that that's where I, I have a unique, uh, you know, opportunity and passion to help somebody else. Yeah, it's, it's almost like you're creating the podcast you wish you had <laughs> you know, growing up in Stockton. 100%. 100%. So that, for, right. for those, those other kids that are out there that are yeah. you know, 
you know, you, you know that you want to do something with your life, but you're not really sure, or you're not even aware about all the different rules. They don't teach you this stuff in school, right? It's true. Um, huh? Most places. And if you, if your parents are good people, but they just are not really familiar with these things, you come from a blue collar background, low income background, you really are not equipped to compete mm. uh, in many cases. Um, and so that's where I want to do my part to help contribute. If I can uh, help, help some other folks, I absolutely will. But yeah, it's, it's literally for me, it's, it's all this stuff comes back to the things I know that I yeah. wish I had known these things, whether it's mostly going to be focused on careers, but other things about finance and, uh, you know, how uh, leverage works and, uh, you know, productivity mm. tips, different other things. I think mindset is a big thing as well. Limiting belief. Um, essential ideas. life skills, essentially. Life right? skills. What you're doing mm. with guide is great. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, so. it's so interesting, you know, because I think one thing that's uh, similar to both of us is that, you know, the work that we're doing with guide, you know, our team and I. It's essentially, you know, we want we're creating something that we wish we had growing up. Exactly. Right. And I feel as if when you always are building things or you're starting something and it comes from this, you know, this this space in your heart, in your emotions mm -hmm. where I just want to give back. I want to give that value back. Something that I know is necessary, but I wish I had when I'm younger. Like yeah. that's the feel, right? That's the motivation. And, you know, I was really, I was just taken aback when you told me about this project, man, because, you know, I think that I haven't, I'm not listening to podcasts that are doing enough of this, right? And there, there, you know, there can never be too much value, too much good out there mm -hmm. in the world. So, you know, I'm really excited about this project you're working on. Man. Thank you, man. And I got to say, I was absolutely inspired by you. I see you're young, you're ambitious, you have <laughs> energy, you're going out and you're adding value to the world. So that's why you know, I'm happy we connected. Man, me too. So let me go ahead and show love to our awesome community right now. So Camilla is saying she brings women into the room and always combines art with science, right? That's how she kind of cultivates exponential thinking and encouraging people to think beyond just the linear fashion. In addition to that, Jada West is saying, is asking actually, Jonathan, what are some practices you incorporate in your life to practice exponential thinking? I would say listening to or reading, reading. Uh, so I, on Twitter, I follow folks that are smarter than me. <laughs> I mean, that's one of the easiest ways. Twitter and uh, LinkedIn yeah. are, are really great. Find people, find given hashtags that you have interest in or whatever. But, um, you know, you're, it's absolutely possible to become, to expand your mm. mind. It mm. Books, I believe, I believe like books are some of the most incredible assets on the planet. You know, what took somebody maybe 20 years to learn, you can pick up in two weeks. It's crazy, um, right? It's the biggest cheat in life, in my opinion. So, yeah, reading so, books. From so what's, books a, what, what's a great book by whether it be Peter Diamandis or Ray Kurzweil um, that you would recommend on exponential thinking for our amazing community? So uh, there's a book called The Singularity. Uh, mm. And then... Uh, Check it out, y'all. The Singularity. Singularity is by uh, Ray Kurzweil. And then um, from a more, more work-specific, mm. uh, it would be um, Zero to One by Peter Thiel. Mm. So how, you know, things move from an idea to an actual execution to the world and how you take mm. these companies that basically we take for household, take for granted as household names that didn't exist, you know, uh, a dozen years ago. Right. And so this book talks about those things more from the angle of like company building, but those things are applicable because all the careers that you have are all fitting in into some sort of corporation. Right. That's ultimately how those things get monetized. I love that. I love that. So zero to one. And zero to one by Peter Thiel. Yeah. And, and I mean, the, Elon Musk, I think, is a huge, like, yeah, exactly. Follow him on, follow him on Twitter. You won't know how to anything, but like, go watch his interviews, listen to him, watch him on, on Joe Rogan. Yeah. See how he thinks. Um, 
I think there was a book that was written on him by Walter Isaacson, the same guy who did the Steve Jobs book. Uh, yeah. Great exponential thinker. You know, Camilla is actually also asking about, what about lateral thinking, right? We're talking about exponential mm -hmm. thinking versus nonlinear thinking, but you know, are there some ways that you practice lateral thinking and how useful do you think it is? Yeah, I think that exponential thinking is good for the future. Yeah, uh, and in trying to think about big areas and, and what could be, but then you still have to get there after you have your thirty thousand foot view. You have to come back today, mm. and mm. There, I would say lateral thing is applying something that you know here works in X, and you're applying it into Y, into maybe a mm. different vertical, right? Um, so yeah, the two are not mutually exclusive. I think that a, a great thinker is under able to be fluid in their understanding of any problem space, mm. <clears throat> and breaking those things down and seeing opportunities. Um, and then understanding, you know, where are those gaps in those things. No one has a crystal ball in terms of knowing how everything in the future will be played out, but there mm. are very strong trends when you combine them. So, for example, um, there's a guy, uh, Chip Conley. He had a hotel chain, uh, JDV, Joy Debris. Uh, he sold that. I think he's an executive at Airbnb now working with hospitality. He uh, is a huge believer in Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Mm. Me too. I love so, that stuff. Totally. <laughs> and so when he's an angel investor or looking at any business, mm. he's looking at where does this fall on Maslow's list mm. of human needs. So it's a hierarchy basically saying at the bottom you have, we have the need for safety, food and shelter, love and connection. At the top, you have self-actualization. Mm. Now, human nature takes a lot longer to change than technology does. Mm. So you can think about if you ever think about the future, for example, lateral thinking is taking what I know about humanity and applying it consistently in these other different areas. Whether if I'm applying this in the travel, I can take what I know about humanity and apply it, right, in sports and recreation or media and entertainment. Mm -hmm. Right. Whether whether you're watching a movie delivered digitally through 4K on Netflix or you're watching that movie in a theater, right, or you're watching over a cassette, it's the content in itself that appeals yeah. to you as a human. Right. Mm -hmm. Those things are what great storytellers and filmmakers, why that will never that doesn't change. Yeah, it's the constant love, across any 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 industry. That's the content, a constant that's appealing you to your mm. human needs, right? When Steven Spielberg is making that movie, or whatever comes after 4K and HDR, HDR, whatever is AR VR, that's just the tech. The yeah. AR VR is the tech, but it really becomes popping, and it really will take off when it hits one of those on Maslow's hierarchy. Yeah. So we can look out and say, here's what 5G is going to allow us to do. Right here's the level of bandwidth that we can can deliver. How many how many mm. bits we can deliver? Here's what Gordon Moore's law tells us about processing speed. We can tell mm. we can project out in the future those things technologically, but the real opportunity comes together when you meet the both. Right? Um, how do you apply technology to ultimately solve a problem for a human? And those things don't really change that often. Right? We all have the same needs for connection, for love, for for growth, for community, um, for community. Exactly. Mm. Exactly. Exactly. That's powerful. That was a powerful question, Camilla. It really got us thinking here. Yeah, great, great, question. <laughs> great question, right? And Natasha is also saying, I absolutely, shout out to Natasha. She's saying, I absolutely feel the same way about mentoring, um, similar to you, Jonathan. It is an extraordinary sense of purpose and fulfillment to do something for something for someone else that really matters for them. So she's definitely feeling that. Rajmi is saying, Range by David Epstein is a book which mm. focuses on really learning many things in life and experimenting with your interests before honing in on one of those passions to inspire others. And she also talks about uh, and wants to ask you, Jonathan, is how do you go against the social stigma of trying many things at any point in life is bad and that you should be specialized in one field and keep going? 
Mm. Uh, so one, thank you for that. I just writing this down, range by David Epstein. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is great. Uh, so Tekken, you're, you're saying the question of managing the, the perception that if you're moving around a lot, that's mm. not really a good thing versus being a specialist. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I'll, my personal opinion is that mm. you ultimately do want to become a specialist. Mm. You don't want to specialize too early though. Mm. So the way that if you think about uh, anybody that maximizes their economic value from, from a pure uh, monetary perspective, a surgeon who specializes in only heart surgery will far out earn a generalist doctor. Mm. The same thing when you have a lawyer, you don't want a generalist lawyer. You want the person who's specific to injury law right? Mm. or employment law, a specific type of environmental lawyer. So if, if you're, if you're in, in software, you're not going to be, you know, trying to do full stack, right? Data engineering and data science. You're going to say, I'm going to be a data biz engineer. I specifically focus not just on UI interaction, but purely data biz. Like, and you'll have the highest amount of, you know, following for that because everybody wants to learn from the specialists, right? They want to hmm. follow this. You have the most amount of skill. That's how you max maximize that. I would say earlier though, you want to be able to course correct quickly, try things that you uh, as quickly as possible, be honest with yourself. That's why I think self awareness is a super skill because no one else is going to be able to do this work for you. Ultimately it's hmm. up to us. Our parents can only give us so much great books and, and, and thought leaders can only give us so much, but we have to know ourselves what we really want. We have to know, um, if something isn't working out for us, how much of that is external? How much of it is it internal? Meaning, yeah. is it the environment that I'm in, the boss that I'm reporting to, this particular company, or are there some things that I need to fix about myself? And it's probably a, a mix of the both because yeah. we'll run out of time before we run out of opportunities to improve. That's my personal belief. I love that. It, I think it's so funny because I can relate with that to my career thus far. It's early on, I optimized around learning. You know, what yeah. are the skills yeah. that I need? What am I good at? I like product. I like user experience design. You yep. know, I, I, I like evangelism and product marketing. And all of that has really informed my perspective in terms of where I'm at now with our organization and what we're doing with the guy. It really informs my product sense. So I believe you're, you're actually onto something there. I think early on in our careers, we need to optimize around learning versus yes. saying yeah. we just need to do this. Absolutely. Dude, that's actually amazing. Those are great questions, man. <laughs> These are great questions. Yeah, I, I have a, a little saying here, and you want to learn, 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 so you yeah. can earn, earn, earn. Well, write that down, y'all. Earn, learn, 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 so you can earn, earn, earn. Seriously, and that's what I would say is, it's too easy for people to focus on the short term mm. uh, optics of you know which job pays the most or which company uh, you know provides that in terms of and, and discount the foundation that you're getting and the the real value is not in terms of dollars when you're in your 20s coming out of school uh, mm. or get, getting started in your career. It is being able to understand who you are, mm. understand as much about yourself and, and what areas you have a high uh, strength and actually, you know, competitive advantage um, and being able to figure out once you have the skills, what areas do you want to become a specialist in and, and figure those things out and have these skills then you can actually have something to offer and become a specialist in that area and doing that. And it's okay to change careers. I've done dozens of jobs, right? Um, 
like from, from my very first job, you know, flipping burgers, right? Or, or <laughs> making, <not> good. <laughs> make, making uh, lemonade and hot dogs. That's what it is. But I love uh, it. <laughs> yeah, professionally, since I've been out of college, maybe a dozen years, I've had, you know, I've worked as an engineer. I worked mm-hmm. in business development. I worked in sales. I was a sales engineer and wow. was an entrepreneur and then been a uh, product manager. So that's amazing. So all of, is, those, all of those experiences have informed who you are now and all that totally. you're building now, right? Totally. I love it. I love it. So Patrick is saying creativity is eternal, but changes occur fluidly under our feet through technological advancement. Simply apply creative thinking. Love that. Kershaw is saying, I am extremely curious. Never settle for status quo. Always listening and learning. I am in talent acquisition. However, I pay attention to a variety of industries, disciplines, topics, diversity of people and thought is critical to exponential thinking. So everyone is loving, you know, your thoughts on exponential thinking. Yeah, and, great. You know, great, great stuff in there. Yeah, we have an amazing community. Yeah. The Unleashing the Future of Work, of Work community is awesome. You know, Omid is asking, you know, as a product manager, what are some of the tips for young product managers who want to apply exponential thinking and be in a similar role such as yours? Yeah, there's no substitute for experience. Mm. So uh, there's certain things like writing an instrument, pl- playing an instrument or writing code. You don't. Uh, you, you can't get this in a book. There's, mm. things, there's a lot that you can get in a book, so, <laughs> but certain things only come from being able to actually do something. And I would say yeah. that product management comes, it, it is an art, I opinion, in my opinion, it is an art. You're doing a lot of different things. You have to be knowledgeable mm. about the business side. You have to be able to understand you know, some things about design, understand the technical uh, you know, implementation, implications when communicating with engineering yeah. teams. Uh, you've got to do really well at project management, in many cases, following up. And making sure things stakeholder management, stakeholder management, management. yeah, that's huge. That's a huge aspect of it. Huge, yeah, <laughs> totally. Analyzing data, being good yeah. at you know pulling data and making make, thinking critically. So mm-hmm. depending on the type of product that you'll be working on, you may have a one area that needs more strength than other. Meaning, if you're a consumer product versus a B two B product, uh, if you are at a early stage company versus a more mature company, that will depend on you know will will help guide you in terms of which skills you need to work on more or areas you should focus on more. It's true, it's true. Great answer and great question, Amit. So, you know, with that said, you know, Jonathan, you know, we talked about exponential thinking and the value mm-hmm. of it and why it's so important that we are always prep and self-aware for the future. You know, and you also mentioned a little bit about your podcast, I Wish I Knew. You know, when you think about long-term, what type of impact do you want it to have on the world, all of the work that you're doing? I want to just be the energy, be the, be the same energy that I want to receive in the world. That's mm. it. So it's literally, I think Gandhi said it best, uh, be the change that you wish to see in the world. And that's it. That's it. Man. Simple as that. I love that. I love that. You know, and with that said, where can the people follow you, Jonathan? You know, yeah, I'm on LinkedIn, Jonathan LinkedIn? Graham, like Graham Cracker. <laughs> last name, heir to the Graham Cracker estate. And also, he's going to be releasing the podcast very, very soon. It's currently in motion. But yep. definitely connect with Jonathan yeah. <laughs> if you want to hear more about it. Or if you, if, even if you want to be on the podcast as well, uh, maybe doing a few interviews. You know. And with that said, y'all, thank y'all so much for tuning in to another Unleashing the Future of Work episode. I strongly, strongly appreciate y'all. And we encourage you all to please share this video. If there's someone within your network that needs this education, reach out to me if you have any more feedback or ideas on future Unleashing the Future of Work episodes. And Jonathan, any last words? Yeah, one more thing I would say. I'm really excited about what you're doing. And what excites me about the future of work are 
two mm. things. One, I think that we have a lot of uh, hangover from the industrial mm. revolution in terms of how yeah. we approach work. And now you see that technology is allowing us to work more flexibly. I think being focused more on impact. If you think about a company like WhatsApp, I think Facebook, when they bought them, they had around 400 million users and about 53, I believe, engineers. So wow. this, that's an example of nonlinear uh, output that digital allows, right? And we're using this platform right now. You're talking about folks all over the world that are listening to us. Mm. And so number one, I think having more flexibility as humans to work on, you're in LA one day, I'll come the next or whatever, connected with people all over the globe. It's amazing. Never It's amazing. That. And second, I think that the future of work, companies now are moving beyond just focusing on profit, but actually we expect more from companies. Mm. Authenticity is something we care about. Uh, you know, we, we want a company to take a stand for what, what do you believe in? Where do you stand on these different things? Brands have to be more accountable because of this. We don't have those same gatekeepers to, to do that. And uh, I'm encouraged. I'm, I, and I think we're going to be living the, the era of abundance. So I love it. I love it. The era of abundance. Yeah. Jonathan, sure. thank you so much, man, for being a part of Absolutely. this Unleashing the Future Work episode. We appreciate it. My you, honor, man. man. Thank you. <laughs> All right, y'all. Peace.